Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So the NLCS and the ALCS looking like they're actually going to be some series now. Hey. Yeah. Showing signs of life on the other side. I am so happy. It's so funny. Cause like, I've been getting a lot of pushback about this just with how happy I am that the Rangers are showing their true colors. I just hate so much how that team is constructed. Like, can you imagine having the balls to go in to the ALCS with the bullpen that the Rangers have assembled? And having any semblance of confidence. Like, I can't even get over the people that are just like, the Rangers are going to walk to the World Series. I even said on Mailbag on Tuesday, I'm like, Astros in seven. I should have said in six. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, if you don't have a bullpen that gives you more confidence than a starting pitcher you gave a nine-figure contract and traded away some of your top prospects for. If you don't have a bullpen that gives you more confidence than that guy... I don't want to cheer for that team. So thankfully we have that in the blue Jays. Mm-hmm. We could use some of their offense, but uh... <laughs> some of their offense. Um, how do you feel moving forward? I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but listen, dude, I really strongly believe that Texas has reached the end of their rope. I, so? I can't see like, dude, who are they strutting out for their starting pitcher today? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I have to. Can Max Scherzer go again? I don't know. <laughs> um, it's Jordan Montgomery again. And they're they're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle twice now. And listen, Montgomery had an incredible first game of the series. I, I They're just running out of pitching depth, man. There's just no way they're going to be able to compete with the Astros over these next five games. Well, or uh, sorry, I... three games. I mean, it could be a slugfest. Like, they have the offensive power to do it. Like, you know, maybe they win a, an 11-10 game. That's possible. It is you possible, know? and it's what they would need to do to pull it off. I it just is... have no faith in these Rangers whatsoever. No, I mean, I had all the faith when they were up 2 nothing, And then as soon as they lost one, I was like, oh, series is over. Astros have got this. Like, it just felt like that you've got them on the ropes. And a team like the Astros, you just can't give any breathing room to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Astros in six is kind of how I feel. Like it's. Yeah, I was calling the Astros even when the Rangers were up to nothing. And I just, after seeing game three and watching Javier shut it down like he did, I just, I just can't see the Rangers recovering from this. Hello and welcome to the walk-off, everybody. I'm Scott Belford, joined by Adam Mack. The team is back, buddy. Love to see it. We've got all sorts of stuff to talk about. The Blue Jays stay golden, Pony Boy. They got uh, their gold gloves nominees all lined up, and they got a pile of them, so we'll break into that. Uh, seats in the dump like a truck truck to steal a term from Cisco. Uh, I love the backlash <laughs> over the Renos here. 
it's so funny to me, man. Like people are losing their mind over it. So we'll break into the whole dump fiasco. Uh, are you a uh, are you a scrapyard guy or a dump guy? Which word do you terminology? Prefer here? Ooh. Terminology. I don't know if I've ever used the word scrapyard. Me neither. First time. Dump is so fun to say. Also, it is. it's a great word. Take a dump. Head okay. to the dump. What else can you do? Dump, dump, dump. Yeah. Um, Puke's a funny word. <laughs> puke is a good one. Uh, loaf is a good word I used the other day. Loaf is laugh. a good word. Right? Underutilized. Yeah. Really, bread has a monopoly on the term loaf. Truly. That's unfair. unfair. Um, yeah, seats to the dump. Are we still doing the rundown or are we into the into the topics? No, we're, we're, we're still doing the rundown here, bud. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get into... It's, it's kind of cool. Baseball America did a story on some of the underrated prospects around baseball. Guys that, for whatever reason, maybe have one little chink in the armor. And for that reason, aren't being highly touted. And there's a couple Blue Jays that uh, kind of get a mention there. Cito Gaston. Cito strikes back, baby. He is uh, up for the Hall of Fame this year. Postseason mayhem. We are going to really delve into this Rangers Astros Diamondbacks Phillies series, and then we'll wrap it up with uh, a quick little temperature check. I, I just want to see where you are, Adam Mack, on declarations online when something when something you don't like the big performative, dramatic way of doing it. Right? Let's say. Uh, you don't like the Blue Jays front office, and then you decide I'm going to go online, and I'm going to going to declare until this management group is gone, mm. I am no longer watching the Blue Jays. Just see how you feel about just that type of performance online, and then wow. we'll wrap things up from there. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so pitching and defense might not win championships or even get you past. The wild card series, it might not even get you more than one run over two games, but it is going to get you some gold glove nominations. The Blue Jays piling them up this year. Jose Barrios nominated in the pitcher category in the American League. Alejandro Kirk looks like he's probably going to take home the hardware. His defensive metrics, as most of us are aware, have been phenomenal in 2023, despite the step back with his bat. Uh, Matt Chapman, I don't like. I wonder if Chappie is getting it because of his name a little bit, which tends to be sometimes the downfall of the Gold Glove. You know, the the detractors are always like name. I value. Think, I lot. think they looked at these two factors. They looked at his offensive production after April, and they looked at the fact that he wasn't just straight up DFA'd. And then they didn't even look at the defensive metrics. They were just like, wow, his, yeah. if, if the Blue Jays haven't released him and he's this bad, he must be great <laughs> defensively. And I think that's just the assumption. <laughs> his offensive numbers actually made him a defensive stalwart, whether they know it or not. That's <laughs> exactly. so funny. Yeah. Uh, Dalton show a very deserved left field nomination there. Of course, I doubt that he is going to take home the hardware. And I, it just has to do with games played. Mm -hmm. He split so much time between left and center. In fact, he had enough. He probably could have been 
nominated in the utility position. But being that it's only been two positions he's playing, they're giving that more to the, basically uh, the, same position. the jacks of all trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, of course, center field, Kevin Kiermeyer once again with a nod for that gold glove. So if Kirk wins a gold glove, then we've definitively won the Dalton Varsho trade, right? All those negative Nazis can shut their pie holes. Mm, we can... That will never happen. I just, <laughs> I truly believe that will never happen. <laughs> Uh, toxic positivity is uh, in short supply in the Adam household. How about the Scott household? Yeah, it is. Uh, it might be done for the season. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a tough way to end the season, dude. I, I, you try and buy into the fact that that pitching and defense could pull this team through. The hardest part about this time of year right now is, I mean, obviously there's the bridesmaid effect of watching other teams still competing for glory and feeling like, oh, that should be us. And then you, mm-hmm. you factor in on top of that, the Marcus Simeon of it all and the Gabriel Moreno mm-hmm. of it all mm-hmm. and the streaky Gurriel Jr. of it all. And yeah, it's hard to it's hard to not be like, oh man, imagine if we still had those three guys like yeah sure be nice um but until this offseason starts like that's where we're just i can't heal we're in limbo i can't heal i can't start the healing process until the postseason's over we could crown the astros champs once again and we can just say okay now the offseason begins well we can start looking at free agents we can start making decisions on who are we bringing back? Who are we not bringing? Like trades can start. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, right this now, purgatory just... sucks, man. It really does because you, re- like you said, we're just in limbo. We're in wait mode, yeah. and there's nothing we can do but just watch other teams, fan bases get everything we've always wanted, buddy. <laughs> I okay. I watched a clip on the Pat McAfee show with Bryce Harper, who formerly of my all face bunch team. He's the captain. Um, slowly been growing on me. Pat McAfee asked him if, you know, just like, what's it like the, the pressure and playing in front of 45,000 fans in, in October and blah, blah, blah. And his response was so hard to not like, um, mm-hmm. sorry, the double negative threw myself off there. It was, a, it was, he was talking about how he dropped out of high school at 16, got his GED and he went to junior college and like his whole life was revolving around being the first overall draft pick and like doing like being a success, like for his family and, and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and how like, he's like, that was pressure. He's like this, everything else has happened in my career. It's like, this is just playing ball. This is just, this is the fun. He's like, that was all the pressure I've ever experienced in my life is behind me now. He's like, now we're just playing it out. And I was like, oh, that's that's a guy. Like That's the guy you want on your team. This Phillies team is fun, man. Top to bottom. Yeah. I, I, I can't stand Philadelphia fans, but they are sure a lucky bunch because this is a really great team to watch. It's just so fun to watch, man. Um, Trey Turner. What a signing, dude. Like, the the balls to go out and spend that kind of money after going to the World Series, it would have been really easy for that ownership group and that front office 
to tinker mm-hmm. and just send it right back out. But the fact they went in and pushed their chips in on a guy like Trey Turner with that kind of ilk and that kind of um, pedigree, right? You look at his career, he's got the ring. He's been there, done that. He's been the superstar. He's been the sought-after guy who has kind of gone from uh, iconic organization to iconic organization and to land in Philadelphia and find his footing like he has. Yeah, It's I going mean, to be interesting, dude, because I, I truly do believe it's going to be the Phillies versus the Astros, a repeat so of too. last year. And the Phillies just look a lot better uh, position this year mm-hmm. to take it all. We'll see, but... It's gonna be a fun World Series. I don't know. I uh, I think Phillies and there could Astros be some surprises. Rematch like would be uh, a lot of fun. We're gonna get into it, but that Diamondbacks game last night, like I did, I was honestly expecting. Like I called, I called Phillies in five, and I figured that the Diamondbacks would squeak one out. But I thought it would be when they were down three nothing. Mm-hmm. The fact they still have fresh air to breathe here. Mm-hmm. And have a little bit of hope still. Who knows, man? Yeah, I mean, it could happen. I th- I still think <sighs> they're the furthest team from the World Series that's still left. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, they are the 84-win team. You look at the other three teams, and they are definitely overmatched in numerous areas. But uh, definitely putting up a fight. When you look at the Gold Gloves nominations for the blue jays yep um do you have money on a few of them or well not money but who who, who are you picking to actually take home the hardware um, i don't know yeah it, i mean varsho is our best defensive player but mm-hmm. his limited number of games in left field i know is gonna hurt him i don't know how much i don't know what the calculation is Maybe Kiermeyer. Maybe Kiermeyer. I think Kirk very well could do it. I don't know about, right enough about defensive catchers. Like I don't, yeah. Every time I hear that he's such a great catcher, I'm like, I don't know. How many pass balls does he have? And does he throw guys out at two? Framing and everything else is like kind of, it, it all goes over my head to be a completely Dense honest. baseball stuff, yes. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, he calls a good game. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Kirk and Kiermeyer is probably uh, the most likely. It's funny pitching Gold Gloves until they because when they when Jose Barrios got nominated, I was not surprised, but I would have never put him in that category. And then you, you know you start thinking back and you start looking up his metrics, and you're like, "Huh, Jose Barrios is a very good defender and has made some incredible plays this year." And has definitely gone under the radar as a guy who is just sound with his glove in the field. <laughs> Again, that's so like as most pitchers do, as most pitchers do, right? It's such a dumb award. Like I'm sorry, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough to get excited about gold gloves. Absolutely. What what is uh what does old Buck Martinez call it? A red star play, right? Yes. You put a red star on that one when it's just like. Those exceptional 99% of the time, nobody's making that play, but the play got made. Those kind of plays. It's like, do you just count those for pitchers? Like, how many other f- balls do they get hit to them? Like, mm-hmm. he got a comebacker, he caught it. 
I don't know. There was a bunt. He fielded it cleanly. The odd time he has to like run to third and then do like a spinning throw to first. Elite. I don't. I don't know. It's. I don't think a Gold Glove for pitcher is necessary. I've never. I've never looked at a pitcher, in like free agency, been like, oh Zach Granke. How's his glove in the field? Six Gold Gloves, <laughs> man. Oh, we gotta. Let's go get him. Like, no, I don't care. So. Drop Anyways, in the comments. Cool. How do you feel about Gold Gloves grounds crew? Does it mean anything? Is it all a little performative? And and where are you at on the pitching Gold Glove? Does it matter at all? Is this something mm. you would even take into account if you were a general manager after a pitcher? I have to lean towards what you're saying. Where I I just don't think it matters. I mean, if there's going to be a black hole for defense, let it be your pitcher. <laughs> Um, speaking of defense, the Bobachette single digits in errors this year. Love to see it, man. He missed some time, but no, it's incredibly impressive what he has Um, done, especially if you look at his numbers in 2022, man, like this fan base and, and I'm sure the organization in general was incredibly frustrated with where he was at defensively. And at the beginning of the season, it's one of the few predictions I made that was right on the head here, but uh, I called Bo Bichette to be an average shortstop defensively. And that's exactly what he did. And man, the work that he put in, the time that he put in, you constantly hear the reports that he's the first one on the field, the first one taking ground balls, that he's out there at, at shortstop putting in the time. And it's paying off. The kid's 25 and has gotten to a point now where one of the best offensive shortstops in the league and holds his own defensively you can't ask for more than that so he only played uh 130 games at shortstop this year 157 last year 148 the year before uh with some dh games mixed in there but he went from 24 errors 23 errors down to eight errors so that's a lot 60 percent reduction in errors his fielding percentage in each of those two seasons, 957, 958. This year, 980. Wow. Um, Some real improvements. I would venture a guess to say if he played a full 159 games, you know, give a couple days off, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't think it's crazy to say he might have gotten a nomination for Gold Glove this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably pushing it, but I, I got to agree. Like, he, it was, it was, a substantial enough improvement in his defense that there's no way he wasn't turning heads, you know, that other organizations may have even been like, wow, this dude is a legit premier shortstop at that point. And I think that's what his defensive improvements have done for him is it is put him into that upper echelon of shortstops around major league baseball. Uh, um, I don't know if go ahead. The reason I feel like this isn't the hottest to take to say Boba Shett, given a full slate, would have been a possible nominee for Gold Glove, which again doesn't say like it's not the best feather in his cap, but from where he's coming from is such a significant leap forward, right? If we could say we did just spend the last ten minutes subtly shitting on Gold Gloves, so yes. <laughs> Pitching gold gloves, catching yeah. gold gloves. Um, 
give me a shortstop that can handle the ball. Yeah, yes. I, don't, I don't care about pitching gold gloves. Shortstop gold gloves I want. Um, Anthony Volpe. Volpe? Volpe mm-hmm. with the Yankees? Yeah, Volpe. Yeah. Their young rookie shortstop was one of the nominees. And I, if someone in the comment section can explain to me where he is a gold glove nominee, like uh, the other two, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, those make sense. Correa, six errors, Seager, six errors, then like 20 other guys with errors in between, and then Anthony Volpe with 17 errors. Um, I just don't. It just feels like we had two really good nominees for shortstop gold glove this year. And then I don't know if that's Yankee favoritism or what, but I don't think Anthony Volpe should be with 17 errors. Yeah. He let, okay. So he let, I don't know if he let baseball, he led the American league in putouts, So he got a lot of action at shortstop. I don't know. Advanced metrics maybe say he's fucking, (laughs) his range is so good though. His UZR OAP 11 is elite. I don't know. It's a lot of errors for a gold glove. A lot of errors. I think errors, I think errors should almost be like the first tiebreaker or like the first metric we look at. You're like, you got a, you got a cluster of six, seven, eight errors. Okay, those are the guys we're looking at. And then we can look at defensive metrics beyond. But if you have more than double the errors, you should be disqualified. I mean, he it's crazy when you put it that way because he does almost have three times the errors, right? Like if he had one more error, that is three, three times, times as more. many as, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's a lot. It's not like he has 11. And, it, you know, he's like, even that would be almost double. <laughs> 17 is a lot of errors. Yeah, it is. That's almost as many as Boba Shett usually does. <laughs> He's obviously the third candidate in that category. It's funny when you watch, you look at the candidates being named and you just know the guy who's like, okay, they needed three. He's not a real candidate, but. Um, that's, Let's that, get into that, that's why I'm saying Boba Shett, given a full slate, could have yeah. been the hey, somebody's gotta be third. Let's give it mm-hmm. to Boba Shett. I don't know. No, I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay, so this Toronto Blue Jays fan base has I think would you say 2023 might be the most volatile year for the fan base where it's just like people are upset about a lot of things. I know that it's it's been a compounding issue, but like now little things are just like sending people off the deep end because the online rhetoric dude around these seats is <laughs> just straight up hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, all the little cute quibbles you have about your spouse when you like start dating. It's like, Oh, I like the way she like smacks her lips when she chews her spaghetti. And then, yeah, by the time you're ready to break up with her, you're like, if I have to eat spaghetti with her one more freaking time. Yeah. I'm going to sore lips shut. Yeah. I'm going to sore <laughs> lips shut, right? <laughs> That's such a better option than I was going to choose. Um, that's, well, that's where we're at, though. It's like, 
you've got your roommate who leaves his socks on the floor and like, it's mm-hmm. fine. But all of a sudden it's like, that's just, you pooped in the bathtub yesterday and you're leaving your socks on the floor. I can't yeah, handle exactly. this anymore. And that's where we're at, right? It's exactly. Like, <sighs> and I think that's, that's a great any example of to where, be. of where this fan base is. Yeah. They're just really frustrated with the organization and they're nitpicking every little thing. Listen, there were hundreds of seats ripped out of the Rogers center uh, in the lower bowl. They are now sitting in, and this is what I love too. I love the reporting on this, that we know we've, we know the dump that they're at. They're at the Gormley dump in Ontario. How did they get that contract? That's my big thing. I, I had no idea that they were like, uh, of course, all these dumps are vying for these contracts. And like, you want the seat, you want the seat contract, right? Like, yeah. can you imagine the dump that has all the hand railings and nobody's clamoring for those, right? Everyone's like, no, just, Smash those up. We don't give a shit about hand railings. We want those seats. What's hilarious, dude, is I got a couple messages from people because I was joking around about it. Some people were taking it super serious on Twitter, but I was just joking around about it. But um, so I got two different DMs from people being like, hey, by the way, I know where the 500 seats are. And have already bought a couple. I got I got pictures from the guy. And it's funny. Both of them are like, but th- you can talk about this, but it's got to be anonymous. Because <laughs> I. <laughs> uh... the, the dump, the dump isn't allowed to sell them afterwards because they got to sign this thing, right? Where they're going right, to destroy, right, right. they're going to destroy them. They can't, they can't take the contract and then also make money on top of that, right? And that's where everyone was upset. It's like, why wasn't Rogers selling these off? Uh, well, imagine the, all the money that you could make for Jay's Care Foundation. There's didn't, truth didn't, to that. Look, yeah, didn't we just last off season sell off the fucking jumbotron, pixel by pixel? <laughs> I swear to God, I remember yeah. hearing that you could buy like a ten LED by ten LED chunk of the old jumbotron. What? And we're not selling the the seats. The seats is the most obvious one. Like I don't. This is dumb that they're not selling these. This I isn't the like f- they're the they're like because of the renovations, it was too hard. We the demolition ruined them all. And then you see the p- picture because someone like obviously right. You know Pictures they've got the out. picture of all of them just piled up. Man, Chair Mountain. I just love it, dude. Just like, do you know how? They almost should have been able to do it more secretly than this. Like, because this is one thing where you would think maybe they would just it would it would go under the radar a little bit. How many how many seats do you do you know got ripped out? Five thousand, ten thousand ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a substantial amount. What's the what's the full capacity at Rogers is what? Forty three thousand. Forty three, I think. Forty three thousand. Forty four thousand. I don't think it's unrealistic to say between five and ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much would you pay for a seat? I mean, it's pretty cool. I, I, I personally, I, I wouldn't go crazy. I know like, it's not a hand railing, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 200 bucks 100 100 bucks yeah. yeah like i think it's not crazy to think you could have sold every one of those seats for 200 bucks yeah um 
across Canada, there's got to be 10,000 people who would be like, yeah, I want a piece of that. I know, I'm, I assume every other sports team has done this. I know that like when the Montreal Canadiens got rid of their old rink and built their new one, like I have four different uncles with seats, seats. like yeah. the original seats in their rec room downstairs or like people i have two uncles as well with seats yes right so like it's (laughs) something that people love especially people with disposable income love that sort of thing um 200 bucks times ten thousand seats that's two million bucks like you couldn't have taken your time unscrewing you couldn't have hired a guy for minimum wage to unbolt them instead of ripping them out with a bulldozer like to make two two million bucks for the, yeah the Jays mm-hmm. Care Foundation like I don't know that just seems when we're selling off pixels from the old jumbotron yeah no no people want to see a ten by ten LED strip of a jumbotron hanging on their wall no one would want these really cool old vintage seats that are like ugh. it is dumb so, I'm sorry this is dumb this is oh, dumb that they didn't dumb. sell it's them. super dumb. It's super dumb. And it, it, the more we talk about it, the more, and this is what has happened with the fan base, right? People start talking about it. And then the anger starts to rise as they're like, this is stupid. What a, oh, uh, what a dropping of the ball by this organization. I'm not typically pro fan base, but I'm on the fan base's side with this one. I yeah, think the outrage is justified. I think this is stupid. So if Continue. here's a little tidbit for the grounds crew. If you are looking for seats, I actually have a line on the 500 seats. I'm not allowed to say where they are, but if you message the walk off on Twitter, I can send you to the dude who has a line. This isn't a guarantee that these seats, these are last year's 500 seats that were ripped out, but we know where they are. And the, the dump is selling them secretly under the radar. I, Love this so much. <laughs> but everybody. So much. You have to, uh, you do with those, keep in mind with those, you do have to provide your own cup holders. So. Mm-hmm. No cup holders. You get no such thing. They didn't, there wasn't a, a contract for the cup holders. They did not need that. No dump has them. It's fine. Okay. Let's move on from the, the seat dumping. Spencer Horowitz. So Baseball America is one of the top sites for ranking prospects in baseball. And they had a very interesting article about kind of under the radar prospects that maybe didn't get enough love. They're not top 100s for whatever reason, whether it be lack of power, whether it be age, whether it be, you know, all those little money ball sort of things where they're just not the the prototypical five-tool guy that's going to get you in the top 100. But it doesn't mean that they can't have a very good major league career. Spencer Horowitz of the Blue Jays, first baseman, friend of the show, uh, natural lefty, by the way. So it's why he's kind of relegated to first base. He does play a little bit of left field, but he was a guy that baseball America was quite high on. And I'm going to read to you just literally what they, what they 
the breakdown was here. Horowitz is another player that reached the majors in 2023, hitting one homer and posting a WRC plus of 106 across 44 plate appearances and two stints. Robo Scout ranked Horowitz 12th in AAA. Like in all of AAA, they ranked him 12th ahead of names like Jackson Holiday, like Colton Kowser. So why isn't he held in higher regard? He doesn't have power. Right, hitting 10 home runs and 484 plate appearances in Triple A, and 38 career home runs over 1,729 minor league plate appearances. He's older than the prototypical top prospect as well. He's 25 years old, but he had more walks than strikeouts last year. An OPS of uh, 9.45, which is the 90th percentile amongst Triple A hitters over 100 plate appearances, with his plus contact rate and barrel rate. RoboScout projects him to hit 260 with a weighted runs created plus of 112 in next year's major league season. Themer agrees. Themer, of course, another projection site, uh, giving him a 115 weighted runs created projection. And that, by the way, if he did hit a 115 WRC plus, that would rank above many Blue Jays on this 2023 team, including Brandon Belt, Matt Chapman, Dalton Varshow, and Davis Schneider. He may not be as good defensively as them, but his offensive projections is in the vicinity of a Brandon Donovan or a Jeff McNeil. And he arguably is a better hitter than DJ LeMayhew and Edward Julian. That's a solid on-base contributor to a major league team that isn't receiving the appropriate accolades from the fantasy community. So Spencer Horowitz, man. A lot's got to go right, but... He very well could be a dude on this team that fits in and is providing what Brandon Belt did last year for $10 million less than Brandon Belt, right? Minor league contract, uh, league minimum type of dude. Just DH and off days for Vladdy? I think so. Maybe, Maybe the odd time in left field, you know, like... Sure. If he gets hot, they'll find a place for him. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Horowitz, friend of the show, so it's hard to have an unbiased opinion. Mm-hmm. Is he someone you're excited about? You know what? I don't... I, I wouldn't say excited. I'm sending this I do clip think, to him, so right. choose your words carefully. Well, no, I, I do think that he's a guy who, who could capture the fan base in a in a davis schneider-esque way you know that mm-hmm. he, he can get hot and probably could carry the team for a couple weeks his contact rate is phenomenal and he's got a really good eye and this is two things that this team could really use at the back end of their their lineup in the in the seven or eight hole a guy who's going to get on base who's going to hit his singles get his doubles i think there's a spot for spencer horowitz on this team in 2024 We'll see how that plays out, right? We'll see what the Blue Jays decide to do. If internal, if bolstering their this lineup internally is the way they wish to go about it, there might be a big power hitter that fits into that first base DH role that would take the run from Spence. But yeah, I think he's got a real shot. Another guy I wanted to bring up here while we're talking kind of under the radar guys and friends of the show. CJ Van Eyck. Hmm. Of course, he's been on the show. Really good kid. Uh, 
another connection is Anthony Telford, friend of the show, and and of course minor league pitching coach for Nate Pearson, as well as CJ Van Eyck. Van Eyck has missed almost two full years of minor league baseball. He was drafted in 2020 in the COVID season. One of those guys that they only had five rounds, so he he got in under the radar there. And it's tough on a kid, 21-year-old kid, to go through Tommy John surgery, and that's exactly what Van Eyck has done. He didn't look great in AA this year. Of course, to be expected as you come back off of such a, a tenuous injury like that. But he is dominating in the Arizona Fall League currently. He had another game last night, five innings pitched, one run, zero earned runs, zero walks, five Ks, 52 pitches. He has a .79 ERA in the Arizona Fall League. He's looking good. I mean, we'll need to keep an eye on him, and this is the guy who kind of went under the radar. He was originally broke into the Blue Jays' top 10 prospects when he was first drafted, and then, of course, when the injury hit, he scaled down. But a little bit of age, a little bit of experience, having that obstacle to overcome. CJ Van Eyck, progress might be why the Blue Jays were willing to give up on Adam Kloffenstein and Sam Roberts when they went out and got Jordan Hicks at the deadline. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic about CJ Van Eyck. I enjoyed our conversation with him. Seems like he's got a good head mm-hmm. on his shoulder, says all the right things. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. See where he goes. Okay, let's move on from some of these under-the-radar prospects. We will actually reach out to, I'll, I'll get in touch with CJ and Spence, see if we can get them back on the show over the over the offseason here. So this is kind of cool. Going back to the World Series winning era of the Blue Jays. That magical time in 92-93, of course, at the helm was Cito Gaston. And the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum has announced that the eight-person ballot that will be considered by its Contemporary Baseball Era Committee, of course, is the committee they formed more recently, to uh, folks who have slipped through the cracks, especially in the managerial and umpire aspect of things. So they he is uh, one of the eight managers, two executives, and two umpires. Cito Gaston, buddy. About time, really. Cito strikes back. I'm so glad to see that, that he is uh, on the ballot for this year. I know that there's a lot of uh, things that can be said about the Hall of Fame and the validity of it and all that sort of thing. But Cito has two World Series rings. He spent his entire managerial career with the Toronto Blue Jays becoming the first African-American manager in Major League Baseball history to win a World Series. Two stints with the Jays. We all remember when Cito mm-hmm. came back in 2008 after John Gibbons was fired there. So 894 career wins. I think Cito's going to the Hall. I'd be surprised if the the voting committee said no to him. Um, yeah, probably with you there. I don't uh, see any blemishes on his on his record. No controversies. Does have uh, 
I mean, I guess the only issue that I would say, and this is just me playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Not the longest managerial career. No. Was it uh, one, two, three, eight years with the Blue Jays on the first stint and then third, three in the second stint? Mm-hmm. And the second stint was not very good. No, it wasn't. But um, neither was his team. <laughs> no, but... I don't know. It's... I think he probably gets No, I'm it. with you. If you're going to tout wins, if you're going to tout wins, you need to tout law. You need to count the losses. And those final three years were definitely more of a, I don't know. It's funny. Cito coming back at the end of that 20, what, it, what do you call it? The 2000s era? Like, yeah, it was before 2008, the 2008, 2009, 2010 is when he. Yeah, us. it it felt very much like uh, a seat selling tactic. Nothing, yeah. nothing against the the career of Cito Gaston. It was just the Blue Jays weren't fielding a very good team at that year. Love friend of the show, Scotty Richmond, but you know even Scotty Richmond was a, a a starting pitcher for the Blue Jays at that time. So yeah, it was it was a lacking roster, and I think that Cito really was there to bring back those warm fuzzy feelings from. The good old days. Um, two World Series back to back. That might just be enough on its own. I would, I would think so. Like, I think it's I think so you, hard to do, man. I think you can accidentally win one World Series. I don't think you can accidentally win two. Yeah. It's like, why what's going on, and this is the perfect transition into the next topic, which is the postseason. It's what's so impressive about this Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. I mean, yeah. we're all aware that the Houston Astros have been to the American League Championship Series for seven years in a row now, which is just, I mean, it's unheard of. I can't even, there's no comparable in sport, in my opinion. It is just such an accomplishment, especially with the 162-game series that you season i should say that you need to kind of go through as a baseball team just mind-blowing so here's some stats about before we get into the the phillies and the diamondbacks series before we get into that that texas series this is kind of cool dude so postseason games done in under three hours in 2017 there was one in 2018 there was one in 2019 there was four same goes for 2020, which had more playoff games than all the other seasons. 2021, there was one. 2022, there was four. This year, 13 games that have been under three hours. That pitch clock, man, I can't believe how well it worked. Yeah, it's... And I don't miss the like. It's not like I'm. I I truly don't feel like we're missing out on on certain things. You know, like it's not it's not a lack of action that has been taken out of these games. It's not like where is this three hour packed mm-hmm. in in incredible plays games. It's just the dead time is out. Feels more exciting. I love it. I mean, yeah. Even in the the last round there, when we would have baseball all day, and we'd have like. 
four games. Not quite back-to-back-to-back to back to back because there was overlap, right? One hour offset for the first wave, one hour offset for the second wave. But, like, I really enjoyed that. I didn't feel exhausted by the end of it. Like, I never felt like, all right, that's enough for me for the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And that's, I think that's a real testament to the pace of play changes that have, that have been made. So, Kudos to baseball. They got something right. They finally got something right. So the Arizona Diamondbacks back against the wall as they headed back to Arizona. The Philadelphia Phillies convincingly winning game one and two in Philadelphia in front of just a crazy crowd. Say what you will about Philadelphia sports fans, but my God, what an atmosphere is Citizens Bank Park over the playoffs here just an incredible atmosphere to watch even uh, the fact that you get a sense of it through the television dude like that's so hard to pull off to truly get and buy into the energy through a screen and it's tough not to with those philly fans but back to arizona last night and they pulled off a big win talk about a, a game that went the complete opposite way Brandon Faft, and I'm going to ask you on your opinion, because it worked out, taken out at 70 pitches in the sixth inning with two outs. Did you have any problem with that pull? Because personally, I didn't. Nope, none at all. I mean, sixth inning is a lot different than the fourth inning. Mm -hmm. 70 pitches is early. But if you've... If if you've got the bullpen to go to, and I the, think that that what was the there, score there, there when was, they pulled them, were they winning? It was it was it was zero zero still, still tied, still tied, and they were going into the third time through the order. Kyle Schwarber coming up to the plate. I know that the stats pretty clearly say third time through the order, red flags, panic alert. Mm-hmm. Let's go right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care about that almost more than any other like lefty righty split or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does feel like when, like, again, I don't think this is exactly what was happening with Barrios. I don't think he was quote unquote dealing the way some other people have touted his performance. Good performance. Great. But like, but like Blake Snell in the World Series against the Dodgers a couple years ago when he got pulled. Like, there are some instances in which the opponent's lineup just feel like hopeless against a guy. They're just like, I don't think anybody's on the Phillies. Uh, lineup was like well hey it's third time through the order so here's our chance boys we got him now it feels like no he's he's unhittable today so when he gets pulled it feels like oh my god thank goodness all right let's get and to that's what i was now. just going to say buddy i was just going to say that is there's no more demoralizing situation than pulling your pitcher and watching your opponent do the old tiger woods fist pump right just like (laughs) yes and you're like oh man (laughs) did we just give them life yeah i mean 
I think I think that's maybe an, an oversimplification. Sorry, I think this is a, an oversimplification of the thought of process. But I I think that here's here's a, a simple way to look at the yes no flowchart of should I do this move? Uh, how will my opponents react to this move? Will they be thrilled about it? Mm, then don't do it. You know, like yeah. w- whatever my analytics say, put myself yes. in the opponent's dugout and just imagine, okay, if I pull Jose Barrios right now, is the other team mm-hmm. ecstatic or are they like, oh, damn, that was our chance. We had, we were going to beat up on this guy now. Like again, oversimplification, but I think that might be fair. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's got to be part of the equation. Although it did feel like as soon as Kyle Schwarber was coming up for that third time. Did I lose you? Something like this where Sorry, it's I lost like, you there, yeah, Scott. It played out exactly Sorry. how the Diamondbacks wanted. Can you repeat that? You just totally froze for me. Kyle Schwarber okay. coming hey. up for the third time. Go. It just seemed as if this was a predetermined decision and there was nothing that Faft could have done differently to allow them to go back into that uh, batting order for the third time through. It just it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. I mean, he was so dominant, dude. If this is like maybe just two different philosophies and like game theory, but if you throw like heater inside, the guy looks ugly swinging at it. Second pitch, you go right back to the same thing. Heater inside, he just is looks dumb. Mm-hmm. Do you think you go heater inside again? You go, oh, he can't fucking hit this heater. I'm going heater inside again. He has no chance at it. Or do you go, no, I'll go slider away. And then... Is he like, oh, thank God, the off speed, and he he's all over it. Like, where do you? I don't go? know he, the answer. Do you go, like, oh no, my, he's my... seen my speed now. He's yeah. now he's timed for it. Eventually, he's going to catch up to this heater. Or do you go, no, this heater's See, working because that's kind of like a, a microcosm of the pitching change, right? Is he go? Yes. No, no, no. He looked dumb against uh, against me the first time, first two times through. He's going to look dumb again. Or you go, I, I don't know. I tend to think I'm going heater inside again. See, I I am definitely a slider side guy on that on that scenario. This is why and baseball is fun, right though. This is why baseball is fun, right? Is because it's such a it's a it's a chess match. And the, it, I mean, the old saying: "There's more than one way to skin a can." Kick <laughs> that cat down the road. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it comes up time and time again. And I mean, the amount of times where you know some very good color dudes, Joe Siddle. Right, with some catching backgrounds, will call a pitch that mm-hmm. they think is coming next, and it's not, and but it's an out pitch, and they're like, "Well, you know that that also works. <laughs> yeah, that also works, yeah." Yeah. Uh, before we move on from this Diamondback series, I did just want to point out, man, Cattell Marte is having himself a freaking playoffs. Like, dude was he basically single handedly won that game for the Diamondbacks last night. Couple of doubles, yeah. Single when it mattered the most. Just uh, 
definitely becoming the player everyone was touting him to be and uh, to see him be the leader of that club in a playoffs where it is loaded with rookies on that team, guys who have never been there, guys who have never been in that situation to see dudes like Cattell Marte and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for that matter, stepping up and, and being leaders in that clubhouse. It's pretty cool to see. Very, uh, very cool to see. I still think I'm what do you think Phillies. of sorry what do you think of because the with Arizona winning um obviously the way that the series the seven game series is set up is is two games three for the games. team with the best record so right. of course and then three games and then two games do you like that I I mean I, it, it saves on travel time I mean, or would you prefer I, a two two one one one? I just don't, I, I mean, for baseball, it makes sense with playing every day yeah. and the travel time. So like, it makes sense, but there's, I, I just don't like it from the, I don't think the lower seed should ever have a chance to have more home games than the higher seed. Like just from like a business mm-hmm. standpoint, like, yeah, even if the Phillies win it in five games to think that the Diamondbacks got three of those. Mm-hmm. opportunities to sell tickets and the Phillies only got two. I don't know. I don't like that mm-hmm. aspect. But. And I mean, the the good thing for the Diamondbacks is by winning yesterday, it does ensure that they maximize the amount of home games that they get in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it, even if they lose outside of those extra three games they could have had in the World Series, they'd talk about maximizing your... It's look. It's Profit. three. It's three opportunities for nostalgia to be attached to those seats when they throw them to the dump. So <laughs> you're not sad. You're not sad about seats in the dump if you don't have good memories attached to those. That's seats. right. <laughs> so that's great. Um, okay, let's let's move on to the to the Phillies. And uh, or sorry, move on to the, the the Houston and Texas series here. The Astros winning two in a row. That series all tied up. Tiebreaker going today, three p.m. Eastern, or actually Mountain Time, three p.m. our time. Um, we touched on this off the top. We don't need to spend too much time on it. Houston. I think is that who you got? I I'm all in on. I don't. I'm not cheering for them, but I do no. think they're the smart money. I think it's just this team is just has the track record. Mm-hmm. Just everyone and their there. Their bullpen, dude. Their bullpen is so good. This is why I think everybody in the American League didn't want the Astros to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, thanks, Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's wrap up on on this. Oh, before we do, just oh. uh, some Cito Gaston uh, yeah. stats to consider. Uh, there are, I think you mentioned this. He would be the twenty third manager in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there's only twenty two managers in the Hall of Fame. That seems really small. It does. Um, he has seventeen hundred games managed. Um, a lot less if you only consider the first nine, like his first stint with Toronto is what, what's going on his resume. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say 1,700 games. There's only one manager in the Hall of Fame currently with fewer games managed than him. That's Billy Southworth, who has 981 games managed. Uh, but he has three World Series rings. Right. As a manager. And those World Series rings are going to go a long way for Cito in right. this exactly. ballot. Um, everyone else, well over 2,000 games managed. Um, there's like seven managers who have like 2,500 win or games managed. Everyone else is like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 games managed. So 1,700, it's a small sample size, but do World Series, that's, that's legit. Incredibly so. impressive. Especially back to back. I know we touched on that when we were talking, Cito, but man, back to back is so incredibly difficult to pull off. It's why it happens so rarely. The only it's thing just... harder than climbing the mountain is climbing the mountain again, is what they say. Yeah. Right? So, okay. So let's end on just a fun little um, opinion piece, if we will, on declaring how <laughs> you feel online in a in a very dramatic fashion and i know that there's been a lot of frustration amongst the toronto blues blue jays fan base uh myself included obviously in this yourself included in this adam uh that just it's 2023 has been a rough year man there were ups and downs they never really reached potential we went in really thinking that this offense was going to eventually click they never really did i mean uh, Pitching far exceeded our expectations. Defense far exceeded our expectations. I just didn't see the pendulum swinging this far. But I know that there's a lot of people who they're almost taking it personally. I know that Ross Atkins press conference, there's a lot of the fan base that truly felt like he was calling them idiots, which I don't know if it's worth getting that worked up about. But, you know, to each their own, we're we're not going to tell you how to be a fan, obviously. But I was curious on... Your opinion, Adam, because listen, as a fan, it's you feel like maybe your voice isn't getting heard. Right. So I understand the idea of going online and being like, I have to have my voice heard. Do you think in any way it affects anything to do with the team to say something like along the lines of until Mark Shapiro, John Schneider and Ross Atkins are gone. Good luck having me at a game or even showing any interest in this team. I mean, okay. There's one thing I roll my eyes at harder than virtue signaling over social issues. It's virtue signaling over sports teams. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, well, I think maybe like, a boycott would have done something like if there was a groundswell of like season ticket holders mm-hmm. who are like, we're banding together. We're canceling our season tickets for next year. Unless Ross Atkins is fired. We are canceling season that like that would potentially have an impact. Like, I think that's, that's a big financial looming punch to the gut. For the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, but short of that. Angry tweets. Ain't going to get nothing done. No. Um, like there needs to. It feels like grandstanding sometimes. 
I love the way you summed it up the the virtue the, the, the virtue signaling for sports teams and it, it does feel that way a little bit because there is there is an organic like you were kind of touching on it right if there was an organic swell ground swell of community where everyone kind of gets together very similar to what was going on in Oakland over the season right where they would have those big those big fan days and then mm-hmm. they would all chant sell the team right. right. Stuff like that, I think, is very valuable amongst a fan base. It's just when it's so individualized, it feels like a tantrum. Yeah, and it, it feels so empty because <laughs> I like I, I wish there was a way to do this. Like you can block people on Twitter, you can block people on Facebook, whatever. I wish we could do this on YouTube or Spotify, where it's like every idiot who's just like I'm out on the Blue Jays until these guys are all fired and the whole team gets traded and we burn the stadium down, salvage the seats, and then rebuild <laughs> a new stadium. <laughs> I want to just block all these people and be like, okay, well then just fucking shut up. Like I don't wanna yeah, yeah. I don't wanna let you into the mailbag. I don't wanna respond yeah. to any of your DMs because you're out on the team. So you're out then. Like, I mean, there's one thing to be like, oh, I'm upset, but like I'm upset too. Absolutely. Because I am upset. But like, like we, I, I, I mean, there's, there's people who I, I shouldn't even say this because I don't know, maybe they didn't watch another game the rest of the year, but after like the Anthony Bass situation, there was, I'm out on the Blue Jays. Do I really believe they didn't tune in and watch a single Blue Jays game for the rest of the year? I have a hard time believing it. Yeah. It's tough to buy. So I don't know. It's what do just, you folks think? When when everyone's c- coming and uh, tweeting out, everybody needs to be fired. Everybody needs traded. I'm out on this team until that happens. It's like, well, no, I'll see you in the comment section tomorrow. And I know you're going to be mm-hmm. watching every game. Like if you watched every game before, you're probably watching every game now. Like, unfortunately, and this is a problem with all sports, your diehard fans don't go anywhere. No. So I put myself through it every year. Yep. Here we are. Here we are, back in the off season. It's going to be a long one. A lot of a speculation to go over. How are we going to get that power back? It's going to be the theme of the next few months, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Power outage in Toronto. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Honestly, to all of you in the grounds crew, a very hearty tip of the hat. Thank you so much for all of the like buttons that you have have hit over the season uh appreciate all the subscribes everyone on audio very much appreciated to the patreon thank you so much we could not do this show without you um mailbag coming up on tuesday obviously you can get a hold of us by if you're a patreon member you get that patreon bump so you automatically get your questions or comments on the show and if not we really do try to get to as many as possible you can reach out on twitter at Walk Off Podcast or Instagram the Walk Off Podcast. And uh, our Discord is now a Patreon exclusive, four bucks a month. There's lots of folks still in there uh, doing their thing. It's kind of a cool little community now that it's so exclusive. I I know that bothers some people, but uh, you know, the ones that are in there, it's pretty fun. They're, I, I'm in there quite often and I'm always impressed with the, the camaraderie within it. Me too. All right. All right, gang. Take care. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to the Walk-Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.